Hey, welcome to the Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles. This week, I am talking to the Real Estate Investment Club of Houston. They had me come and talk about the market, the apartment market, the investment commercial real estate market. And so um, today, what you'll get is part one of two parts of the Real Estate Investment Club presentation I did in Houston. So sit back and enjoy, and I hope you like the show. DJ, hit that music, please. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. All right, guys. Um, my name is uh, Kevin Riles. I'm um, um, a, a commercial real estate broker, and this is the first time I've been in front of Rich. I was telling Lisa, uh, is it, am I? Linda. 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 Belinda and Belinda. I'm sorry. That. Yeah. Uh, I was telling um, Linda that um, years ago I had the contract, um, and I'll give you my background here in a second, I had the contract to list all the HUD foreclosures in Houston. That was kind of my claim to fame uh, in the Houston real estate market. So um, when Rich Club used to meet at University of Houston uh, many years ago, uh, they used to have to come, have me come and talk about the HUD process. We used to list about 100 properties a month. Um, for that, con the, I had that contract for five years, uh, me and another broker. So uh, it's been a long time since I've um, talked to uh, Rich Club. In fact, didn't know y'all had moved until you sent me the uh, the email. And so I think I've been spamming um, Belinda uh, with my e-blast. And so I got a <laughs> I got a uh, email back asking uh, for me to would I be willing to come and talk. Um, more intimately about uh, commercial real estate. So just to give you my background again, my name is Kevin Riles, uh, R-I-L-E-S. Uh, I am a uh, commercial real estate broker. Uh, I have been in business uh, as of last month for 20 years. Uh, so I was licensed in October of 1998. Um, I was an engineer by day at ExxonMobil and a um, real estate agent by night and then the weekends. Uh, I got into real estate by buying my very first property uh, in um, 1996-97, uh, towards the end of 96, I bought a duplex uh, in what is known as Third Ward on the corner of Wheeler and Delano. Uh, and I lived in one side at the bottom. Uh, I rented out the top. Uh, and the guy that sold me the property uh, became my mentor. Uh, he was an engineer by day and he was a real estate agent by night and on the weekends. And he was a real estate investor, more importantly. Uh, and so I looked at him and said, oh, I can do that. So um, got my license uh, and then started kind of helping coworkers selling properties on the side. Uh, and I was an e-business project manager because I'm a computer engineer, computer science major. So I uh, was traveling back and forth uh, for Exxon. And when I would get home the next day, I'm, I'm, I'm out there uh, selling property. I would take a lot of long lunches uh, to uh, sell property. And so anyway, long story short, um, my intent when I got my license actually was to become a real estate investor full time. And I actually ended up liking it because I was always the talking engineer. Um, the science stuff I, came easy to me, but I actually liked to do uh, the talking. And so uh, at that time, technical sales and, and all the things, business development weren't as big in engineering as it is now. So I found my calling with, uh, with real estate. So long story short, I've been full time uh, real estate broker and investor for the last uh, 18 years and I've been run the gamut. I grew up on the re residential side. Uh, I was the foreclosure king uh, in Houston for about six years straight listing for HUD, Chase uh, and other um, lenders during that uh, time period. 
And that's what actually catapulted me into doing commercial real estate um, uh, full-time. Uh, well, I was full-time, but commercial real estate exclusively. But a lot of the, my clients that bought those single-family homes on the HUD side would come back to me afterwards and want to reposition their capital into a small multifamily. So my firm now, Kevin Rouse Commercial, what we do is we specialize in small multifamily. My, my specialty is plus or minus 100 units. Um, now, I, I've done and do bigger deals. I just closed on a 172-unit uh, uh, deal. I've just closed um, um, making an offer on a 200-unit deal. But as far as listing and, and representation, I kind of stay uh, plus or minus 100 units. And you might ask why, why not go after the bigger deals? Well, one, the big guys um, like JLL, like uh, HFF, like Grubb and Ellis, like Cush Wake, those guys have a lot more money and a lot more resources to go after those institutional type of uh, uh, listings. Uh, I, I grew up working with guys like yourself and ladies like yourself. Uh, and so the small uh, investors, medium-sized investor and partnerships are kind of where I, I'm used to working with. Uh, and then helping them grow into larger uh, portfolios. So you'll see on my listings, I have everything from a four plex uh, all the way to, I'll show you a, a case study here of a 44 unit as well. My average deal price-wise is probably plus or minus $2 million. Uh, and my average uh, unit count is plus or minus, uh, I would say 40 uh, 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 in Houston. Uh, so uh, from a practical standpoint, uh, a lot of my deals just by default are C-class properties, uh, C-class properties, and I'll uh, talk about that in a second. We also do other investment, so we're essentially a small boutique investment brokerage. Um, multifamily makes up a majority of my portfolio, however, we uh, I just closed on a retail center. Uh, anything that produces a cap rate, we specialize in, uh, especially uh, small to medium uh, size. And then we do some tenant representation as well, which in the commercial world is basically representing tenants looking for uh, specifically in our case, retail and industrial uh, space. So that's kind of a gamut of my company, uh, a little bit of, uh, about my uh, background. Uh, what Belinda asked me to do tonight, today uh, was to kind of just talk about the general multifamily market uh, in Houston. And what I would say in a word is it's hot, 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 hot. Um, and so uh, what does that mean? So uh, because I don't have the resources to have a full-time research analyst, um, my friends, uh, I borrowed my friend's uh, uh, report at JLL, so I, I did give them credit. So if you know anybody at JLL, just make sure that I did say prepared by JLL on their uh, report. Uh, and so um, you wanted to give me, so what, what tends to happen in these reports, if you go out and Google and find a multifamily report in Houston, they're really talking about the A-class market because that's institutional uh, uh, stuff. And so a lot of us guys that do B and C stuff, um, there are reports out there that are behind some, some crannies in, in, in the cabinets uh, about BNC, but at the end of the day, most of the people at the Rich Club uh, would be more BNC investors just by default of, of deal size. Uh, and that's not belittling, that's, you, honestly, that's where the profit is uh, right now. Unless you're an institution, institutional uh, investor, uh, the cap rates are better at BNC property specifically C. So what am I seeing? Uh, and what I did was, I highlighted um, before I made copies of kind of some things that I think are consistent across the property class. So when I say A, B, does everyone understand what I mean by A, B, and C as far as property class? I don't know how experienced you know, our folks are in here, but essentially um, that technical definition is A is relatively new, uh, B is over 10 years old, and, and C typically means over 20 years old. However, we 
we use those terms really interchangeably. We'll say it's a B, it's renovated to a B standard in a C area, or we'll say uh, it's a C, C class property. And then sometimes we'll even say it's a D, you know, F property to try to really tell you what, what, what uh, condition it's in. What you will find in Houston, and before I get to, to what's going on in the market is, most small multifamily is automatically C by default. Why? Because um, I think it was because of a code change. You do not see new uh, under 100 unit apartment complexes being built in the Houston city of Houston uh, limits at all. Uh, typically the newest property you might see is in the 80s. Uh, uh, middle 80s and then I think it's a code change that that start, started that so uh, uh, and the reason for that is because right now I'm building um, duplexes for my own investment portfolio uh, and I wanted to really build fourplexes in the city of Houston I own some lots I got some lots off the tax uh, foreclosure list and um, uh, one of my students I, I'm a adjunct professor at Prairie View and University I teach um, the community development and land development classes at Prairie View in their graduate school. Uh, one of my students works for the city of Houston, so I met with her uh, in planning, met with her and she told me uh, that if I go over three units under one roof line, uh, it flips the commercial code. Well, what does that mean? I have to have ingress and egress all the way around uh, the property so that they, uh, so for instance, this office building that we're in now, if you notice, they have to have access um, for the fire department to be able to get to all sides of the building. Uh, uh, in most of the commercial apartment complexes, if you notice, you have to have ingress and egress all the way around so they could get to each building. So if you're building a fourplex, that's kind of way overkill, way overkill. Uh, but the code says, uh, we don't have zoning in Houston, but the code says if I go over three un units under one uh, roof line, then I flip the commercial code, which means ingress and egress all the way around, uh, which means most likely a fire suppression system. Uh, and that's just way overkill for, for four units. And so that's why you're starting to see there's some investment groups that are building in Houston, but in the ETJ, in the extraterritorial jurisdiction, jurisdiction, so that they have a Houston address, but they deal with the county. The county does not have that same level of code. Uh, uh, so just, that's extra information, but if you ever do that. Um, so the code change is what I'm referring to now. I think they, ch this is my opinion, I don't know this for a fact, because I can't find anybody that has enough history with the city to let me know. My opinion is because of that code change, because they don't, tr the city, so a lot of these 20 plexes, um, 36 plexes, 40 plexes are 10 four unit buildings, right? That's what they really are. Uh, and so if I didn't have to worry about that code, I, I could build on a 10,000 square foot lot you know, two fourplexes, I got eight units, or three fourplexes, I have 12 units. But because, you go, because it becomes expensive to do that, uh, then um, because of the code change, then you run into a situation where uh, you have, um, uh, it just becomes cost, I'm doing the cost now for my four, uh, fourplexes, me and my, sorry, my duplexes, and you know, just on residential costs alone, um, I'm, I'm budgeting $80 a square foot. Well, that puts me at like 180 uh, for my bill costs, notwithstanding land, and that's residential code. If I add commercial code to that, and that's with the, uh, uh, with the uh, contractor's fees uh, in it. Uh, I'm too busy to do a be, be your own builder, uh, <laughs> where I could get that down a, a little bit. But I say all that to say, to me, it just becomes uh, cost prohibitive uh, from an income standpoint to do that. Uh, so with that being said, I 
took a little diatribe there, but I think it's important to know kind of the history of, of where we are. The things that I highlighted in this report are the things that I think are uh, the same across asset classes as far as A, B, and C. And the first is um, that occupancies are up. Um, occupancies for C class, the last report I looked at, were actually uh, plus uh, 93%. Uh, so uh, it is a strong rental market. And what tends to happen, A-class uh, properties about two years ago were sucking wind. Like they were giving out TVs, firstborn kids, you know, anything that they could do to get uh, folks in there, giving you discounted rent. So a lot of what we call concessions uh, or lost rent uh, to get people in. And so what happens uh, is when a market is sucking like that at the very, very top, they start offering incentives. So people that would normally be in a B-class property are now able to afford, uh, with incentives, an A-class, and it sucks the market up. So Cs can go to Bs, and then Ds can go to, to Cs, right? Uh, but when the market flips, as it has now from the, uh, uh, from the A-class standpoint, A-class rates, which this report is based off of A-class, is really high. And so folks that aren't that strong from a job or a credit or whatever the case um, may be standpoint or from an income really from an income standpoint uh, that's the number one they get bumped down to b and b gets bumped down to c and so the reason i like c as an investment is no matter what the market is it's always in the middle of that right so i might have to adjust rents over time but i'm always in the middle of that suck up or, or go down uh, market so it's not necessarily um, recession proof but it's res recession resistant uh, uh, and with with rent adjustments all right uh, so um, I guess I would first say that the C-class market and B-class market and just across the board occupancy is, is is significantly up the other thing is rents are up so again using that same scenario a rents are up they're a dollar in some places a dollar fifty a dollar sixty a square foot uh, on A-class properties and then you kind of go down from there. I can remember a time when C-class properties were leasing at 65 cents to 70 cents a square foot and now they're leasing at a dollar ten, even sometimes a dollar twenty a square foot. Uh, so you take a thousand square foot apartment in a C-class, it used to be 850, um, you know, uh, uh, 800, 750. Now that apartment, depending on the area, is written for plus or minus a thousand dollars. Right, a little bit below it, a little bit above it. Again, that depends on the quality uh, as well, but you, you're getting a dollar a square foot uh, in rents. Um, the other thing that's having a huge effect, and I know you guys have been, because you savvy real estate investors have been listening to the news about oil prices and they're on their way down again. It always makes us nervous here in Houston, just based on uh, history. However, one thing that is not changing, and I've gone to the Greater Houston Partnership, and I would assume as we do these economic forecasts, usually this is what I call economic forecast season. So around December and January, all of the Greater Houston Partnership, all the chambers, things of that nature will do these economic forecasts. Uh, and all of them will tell you uh, that we are the number one destination for people to move to in the country. Uh, uh, one or two uh, always. At one point in time, and I don't know if this is still the case, there was something like 20,000 people a month moving to the greater Houston area. Uh, and so we have a low cost of living. Uh, we don't have a state income tax. We're directly in the middle of the country. We have two major airports. Uh, and um, uh, even though our property taxes are high comparative to other places because they have state income tax, this is, people like to live in Houston, in Texas specifically, uh, I mean, Texas as a whole, but Houston specifically. So that growth is the reason that you're still seeing projects go up around the Beltway, in Katy, 
uh, in North Houston and a lot of A-class, uh, what do we call infield dirt projects going on inside of, um, uh, inside of the loop. And so that demand is basic supply and demand curve. Uh, and if you look at the absorption numbers on here, absorption basically meaning that how many new units coming, above, uh, coming on board and how they're being leased, in other words, absorbed, uh, absorption numbers are great as well. And so um, when you see an absorption at these levels, you know that we still cannot meet demand. We, we did go through a period where we were a little bit overbuilt on the A side, but we, they finally have kind of caught up. They slowed down for a little while to get caught up, and now they're kind of going out again, but not at the same, at the same clip. So rising interest rates. Interest rates have risen based on me closing deals as late as uh, two weeks ago, closed on a 24 unit. I got a closing coming up uh, at the end of this month on a 44 unit. Uh, and those two interest rates are probably a um, um, quarter of a point to uh, 0.375 uh, separate. And it's the same buyer, right? Same bank. Well, I'm sorry, that's wrong. Uh, different bank. One of, it, one of them is a community bank. The other one is Freddie Mac has a small balance program that y'all really should do a um, seminar on because that program is awesome, by the way. Uh, uh, it's a little bit more involved, but the, the rates and the, the, the way they allow you to do it is great. Uh, but I digress. Uh, interest rates are rising, but people are still buying. Uh, and then, um, again, at the, this, this last part of this report says, the sheer volume of migration and job creation will undoubtedly have implications on Houston multifamily market. Increased demand should push occupancy over 90%. Again, this is A. Uh, so that occupancy being pushed to 90% is going to push downwards uh, as well. So basically what I'm saying is that if you're the owner of a multifamily property in the market, this is one of the best times I've seen in the, in the 20 years I've been in the business and specifically in the last 10 years when I've been doing almost exclusively uh, commercial and, and multifamily. Now, what if you're a buyer? Is it a great time for you? Uh, uh, and everyone's like, no, because <laughs> if it's a great time for the seller, it's not a great time for the buyer. Uh, what I would say is it depends, uh, it depends. So um, what this report does not really go over uh, and what people really want to know is, is what are the average uh, cap rates? So just in case, capitalization rate is basically a measure of how much income a property is making as a ratio to its, um, uh, to its sales price. And it's also uh, a measure, a snapshot specifically of, uh, I feel like I'm in class, uh, I just lectured last night, uh, specifically a snapshot so you can be able to uh, compare two properties. So if I have an eight cap over here and I have a seven cap over here, if everything is equal, then my eight cap is better than my seven cap because it's, it's larger, right? So I just wanted to make sure capitalization rate. So, uh, and so net operating income divided by the purchase price or different ways to, to maneuver that based on the pieces of information that you have. You need at least two to get one of those. So I say all that to say that um, I remember five years ago, I'm specifically talking about C-class properties, uh, where what I call par, for the golfers in here, the non-golfers, par is how many shots does it take me to get to that hole. If I shoot under that, then I'm negative, which is a good thing. If I shoot over that, like I do, uh, it's positive, right? Uh, and I shoot way over that. Uh, so uh, with that being said, par for a C-class property in the city of Houston was 30000 a door. Right, on a, on a, so we, we value commercial property two ways, income approach and comparable approach. PAR was 30K a door about five, five years ago. What does that mean? This is, my, this is Kevin's definition of PAR. Someone else might not tell you this, but this is how I look at the market. 30,000 a door was, if you bought at 30,000 and below, it was what we call the value add opportunity. 
uh, you needed to come in and renovate, uh, maybe shore up the management, you had some work to do. Above 30,000 a door, your expectation should have been that I'm pretty much buying existing cash flow and, uh, and just buying operations. And I, I might come in and do my thing, but I'm pretty much okay other than kind of leaky faucets and I'm not doing a whole renovation package. Well, par for C-Class now is hovering around um, 52 to 55 a door, right? On a value, on a, on a um, uh, comps approach. Um, the two deals I just did, uh, I did, one of them I did at 60 a door and it still needs work. The other one I'm selling at 67 a door and it's, it's done. It actually flooded for Harvey, had never flooded before. They renovated it, repiped it. So he's walking into really, you know, and, and they re-leased um, re, um, it up. So he's really walking into a renovation um, that he doesn't have to do anything. He's buying existing operations. So to me, he's getting a deal and the, the rents are below market. So I sell that to say that as you look for multifamily opportunities, and when I say per door, um, that per door price starts at around 10 to 15 units. Below 10 units is kind of a different type of, uh, of deal. So when I have people calling me about a fourplex and asking me what the cap rate is, cap to me is not a good measure uh, and some people don't believe it's a good measure overall, but uh, definitely not a good measure for very small uh, multifamily. So I'm, I'm talking about 10, 15 units. Again, these are all Kevin's opinions, just based on um, deal traction and experience. Uh, so what are caps? I say all that to say, what are caps? So if you're talking about 60 a door, uh, right now C-class cap rates are pushing plus or minus seven and a half, right? So cap rates are low, values are high. It's an inverse ratio, right? When values are low, cap rates are high, right? We want to catch always, you know, so we want 10 caps. So everybody's caught, so I'll get somebody to come take a rich club, really nice, good seminar with good information, or they go take some other seminar and they give them a script, and I'll get the call with the script that says, hi, this is Belinda. Uh, I'm looking for a property, and I need 10 caps or above 10 to 12 cap, and I say, well, you know what, Belinda? Awesome, but I can't help you. What, I, and then whatever the, the, they teach you, the, the script says, oh no, I'm looking to de develop a relationship with a broker. No, I'm, I'm being funny. Uh, so, I would say it's in Texas. So um, a lot of the deals that I sell, uh, Orange County Real Estate Investment Club flew me out um, last December to come talk to them because their, um, their main folks like Linda and Belinda uh, have bought, they bought a 32 unit uh, from me here in Houston. And uh, <laughs> when I go to speak around the country, around the cities, I always look on LoopNet or CoStar or something and kind of see what the cap rates. They're pushing 3% cap rates in Cali, where I was. And so when they see a six here, they're like, dude, but they don't know, like, I always tell out of, out of town and I would say, if you're looking outside of here, you gotta find somebody local that's gonna be truthful with you because I, if I just wanted to be a broker and make money, then I could sell six caps of C-class property, but I wouldn't buy a six cap C-class C property here. So if that, if that makes sense. In other words, they're seeing six and they have their California glasses on, right? Uh, and they need to have someone to put some Houston shades on them uh, to kind of calm them down a little bit. And so I talked a lot about that, that because they're chasing yield in California. And a lot of those folks are equity rich. They want to pull some of that money out, but they're not getting those level of returns. So they're looking across the country. Uh, and so a lot of them are coming to Texas. Uh, and so I would say 
50% of my deals in the last three years have been out of state uh, as far as buyers are concerned versus uh, local folks. No, there's this, that there is a definite supply. That 60k a door or 55k a door is is a direct result of uh, two things. One, uh, rents have gone up, so that's a good thing, right? Uh, but at the same time, the demand for especially small multifamily significantly increased. So I market to about 3,500 uh, small multifamily owners uh, a month or every other month, right? Uh, either they're getting a letter from me, I try to hit 20 calls a week, Just I'm just telling y'all, give me an approach from a broker side. Uh, and then, uh, then quarterly I send out a, a postcard, right? And so I used to be kind of the only, I say only guy, but I was one of the very few doing the small. Now I'm competing with you guys doing the same thing. And I'm competing with the guys um, from California doing the same thing. And so that demand, um, so I have a lot of sellers I'm dating right now. I call it dating. Like we talked a couple times, you know, I took them out to dinner, you know, or lunch, or we talked and now I know, you know, they're, they're, I've gotten to know them well and they're like, oh, I don't know. Uh, and then eventually, sometimes I'll date sellers for a year before they'll say, okay, Kevin, I'm ready. Uh, um, but there are also sellers that have been educated in the market, which is nothing wrong with that. And they think the market is wrong uh, on the low side. So I'll tell them, you know, C-Class is selling about 60K. To, oh, I just replaced all the faucets. I'm, 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 it's 80K a door, you know, because those faucets are $20,000 each, you know. Uh, so, uh, so you have a lot of sellers I'm cool with. They say, oh, I'll sell at 80K a door. I, so I turn around and come to a guy like you guys and say, hey, I got 80K a door. It's a good three cap. You know, you know are you interested? Y'all, I get that, right? I get a laugh. All right, so I don't, I don't of course, I don't do that because that, uh, uh, so I say all that to say, yes, demand has, has significantly increased. Uh, it is my personal opinion uh, that um, the cost for purchase and renovation versus development uh, are almost the same now. The time is different. So the, that's the reason I'm building duplexes. Whenever I list a duplex, and, and I'm listing this duplex to buy and hold, these, I'm buying these, um, building these duplexes to buy and hold. Um, but it is my opinion that that is the new value add, is developing your own. Uh, people just, you typically don't want to wait, right? So uh, do I still get value add stuff? Absolutely. I sold a, um, a property about a year ago uh, and we were at 38 a door, uh, but it needed you know, work. So that was a steal. In fact, I, I, the buyer on that, I kicked myself, myself. I just wasn't, I had some stuff going on uh, business. Well, not that y'all want to know all that. But anyway, I, I, I couldn't take that deal myself. But uh, I say all that to say uh, that uh, to me, that's the new val value add. But with that being said, in my opinion, I don't see in the C-class market rents retreating hugely significantly. Would you have to ride out a recession? Because are we about to enter into a recession? I'm not an economist. I don't know, but it def I can definitely tell it's slowing down. And this is my definition, and I've been right every time. I just wish I would have paid attention in 06, 07, 08. When my phone stopped ringing, that is my boots on the ground measure of, of, uh, of how the market is. I have enough listing to where I get a significant amount of calls. When it slows down, it gets quiet for days on end, that's when I know it's slowing down. So sometimes it's time of the year, so this is, a, this is holiday time. Uh, but in January, if my phones are doing what they did in October, then I know that we're, if nothing else, we're slowing down. Uh, I know it's very unscientific for the quantitative folks in here, but I'm, I'm, I'm literally the person between the buyer and the seller 
and I, I create the arbitrage. So typically I try to be the first to know uh, kind of what's going on. Um, and then if you talk to residential agents, especially residential agents, I live out in Siena Plantation in Missouri City. Um, residential agents at a price point above say 300, it is, it is jeepers creepers, it is nobody calling uh, right now. Um, uh, so I, I, I know for a fact that things have slowed down. Some of that is, is time of year, but it started slowing down in August. And that's typically not, usually we're strong through September. Again, this is Kevin's economic forecast just based off of the spirit. Uh, but uh, again, I just look for that stuff because I never want to get caught in 06, 07, 08 again. I lived through that as a real estate broker. And even though I was listing foreclosures at the time, it still was a very tough time economically for me uh, and th those around. So I'm always looking around the corner, you know, seeing if I see the boogeyman, economic boogeyman uh, uh, coming. So, um, so cap rates. I would say, I always tell my clients, if you see a C-class property listed at seven and a half or above, it's worth taking a look. Because you might be able to negotiate yourself into an eight or there might be a reason where you can uh, get in there. Um, I actually saw a C-class, it was renovated, sell for like the late sixes, but that's, a, that's an outlier. You know, Michael Gladwell, the, the, the uh, bell curve outliers are out here. Uh, so this range on that bell curve uh, is seven and a half to to eight and a half. That's, that's kind of the, that is the market. So if you can get above that, it's awesome. Below that, then are, are there, um, people always call me and I, I have a podcast I'll show you guys. Uh, I did a podcast on this. I always get a call from you guys. Hey Kevin, this is Belinda. I'm using Belinda because, uh, you know, real estate investor. And then they'll say, do you have any off market deals? And they whisper, uh, like literally, like, or they'll say the word off market, like it's a secret. Uh, and so everybody wants off-market deals. I understand, I want off-market deals. Um, but some of the off-market deals are worse than the on-market deals uh, right now. And just because it's off-market does not mean it's a deal. Uh, but I say all that to say that um, the, the, the cash flow uh, and the opportunity for you guys, I think, uh, as, as investors, uh, is in um, development, like literally development, and then looking for properties in that uh, in that uh, range for uh, C-Class. Now, if you go to A-Class, uh, A-Class clap rates are plus or minus five, right, 5%. Um, B-Class is somewhere in the arbitrage. It's kind of hard to kind of peg that out because it's usually A or, or C. Now, some of the very large C-Classes are trading in the late sixes, early seven, like 250 units and things of that nature. So if you're into syndications and partnerships, um, um, you know, you can do that. My point, uh, I digress, I always get that call off market and I always get, I want a value add. In fact, I will tell you now, if I put the word value add in one of my listings on LoopNet or on CoStar or on ComGate or Crexy and all the other listing services out there, just the word, whether it's value add or really or not, just the word makes my phone ring, all right? So everybody's looking for value add. But people are also only looking for physical value add. How can I renovate the property in such a way that I will derive additional income? Because you want value add so you can create equity, right, and income. Um, but a lot of people don't know there's other ways to create value add, and that's in management. There are a lot of mom and pops out there that have been inefficient in their management. If you really understand how to look at their books and see where you can get efficiencies, maybe go to what we call a rub system instead of having all bills paid or things of that nature, where you could derive value add even though you're at 60K a door at the market, right? And so that's a different way of value add that takes a little bit more work to see because you can't drive by and see 
uh, you know, rubs. <laughs> you can't drive by and see that they've been paying. Uh, three years ago, I, I sold a 24 unit, and um, I was like, man, this place is renting, it's, you know, good financials, it's not making any money. And so the seller pulled me to the side and said, hey, look, I got two uh, kids in college. You see their payroll number? They're on the payroll. That's how, I, that's how I give them their college money so that I can lessen the income. Uh, and that's what investors do. I feel you. I, I, you know, my car is sitting down there, my wife's car. They are business cars, which mine is. My wife's is too, just in case Iris is listening. Uh, so uh, I understand that. So, but being able to answer those questions and look for those efficiencies, uh, and, and that's one way where, where a, what, uh, an investor is, is eating out of their own pot. But there's other ways as well. They're paying for something that you wouldn't do or they've never renegotiated their uh, trash contract, uh, or they've never gone in and spent the possible money to uh, repipe their sewer stuff, and that's causing constant repairs. Uh, uh, which, by the way, if you remember anything else I say today, if you ever buy a property older than 1985 in Houston, that's 20 units or 10, 20 units or above, during due diligence, get the sewer um, camera to see if it is one, galvanized steel or PVC. Two, if it's galvanized steel, is it broken? Trust me on that. Trust me, trust me. That's one of the most expensive repairs, especially if they have to go. And, and one of my clients learned that uh, the hard way. So um, that is kind of a market uh, overview. Any questions about the market that I didn't cover? I kind of went, I didn't have any, I had this prepared slash not prepared. I wanted to be informal, so. Hey, thanks for listening as always. Do you have questions about any of the topics I'm talking about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending to me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com.